0: Hey everybody, my name is Andrew D. Bernstein, and I'm here to inspire you to go bigger with your dreams and goals, so you can give bigger with your profits.
1: Welcome to the Go Big to Give Big podcast, where we are challenging six-figure earners to become seven-figure givers. wanting to go bigger with your dreams and goals so that you can give bigger with your profits. Let's not waste any more time and jump right into it. Before we get started today though, this is a quick reminder that we are launching our Go Big to Give Big membership. If you are looking to get around people that are more excited about talking about the impact they are making in this world more than the cars they are buying, then you're going to want to go check out go big to get big.com to get more information and join the most philanthropic group of entrepreneurs out there now back to the show i'm super excited to welcome my new friend the co-founder of the legends of sport platform the host of the legends of sport podcast and the senior official photographer of the nba andrew bernstein thank you so much for being on the show my friend wow so happy to be here randy nice to see you and uh, looking forward to this chat Yeah, this is going to be really cool. I was just sharing with you uh, beforehand that I was doing some research on you and found out that you were pretty big into some photography and MBA and have a little bit of a niche there. And Mm -hmm. in particular, I shot a lot with Kobe Bryant and may have wrote a book with him. And I was looking at my wife and this sounds familiar. And I go into my library and I found the book that you took a lot of the photos of Kobe and put together. And it was just such a beautiful moment to be like, wow, I already knew all about you and loved all your photos and share it, but didn't actually get to meet you. So it's incredible to get to meet you and read your story it was absolutely amazing.
0: Well, thank you, Randy. Yeah. It's been a great long career, knock on wood, got a few left in me, but that coll- that collaboration with Kobe after being with him and, Watching him grow from a teenager yeah. <laughs> to you know, a wily veteran, five-time NBA champion, Hall of Famer over a
1: 20-year period Some, will be something I hold very dear and close to my heart for the rest of my life. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I was trying to figure out which direction to go in this. We talk about going big, and you are the biggest of the big when it comes to NBA photographers and what you've done and the people you've worked with. And You could probably just share 50 stories for four hours and have a <laughs> podcast here. But what I really wanted to start with was when we talk about go big to get big, we talk about these moments where you you realize you have a gift that allows you to think bigger, that's going to actually take you to that next level, that's going to make you, as Kobe might say, in the elite space versus just the great space. Mm-hmm. Was there a moment in your career where you started to have a lot of success in the photography space, people started to recognize you? Was there a defining moment where you're like, holy smokes, I have the ability right now to go make a name for myself, become the best photographer? Was there a moment that stuck out to you?
0: It's interesting, Randy, because you know as you're saying all that and preparing for this chat that we're having. I thought about the fact that how much joy my photography has brought people. And I always downplay that, quite frankly. But people, almost on a daily basis, when I see people in an arena or in an airport or wherever it could be, you know, people remember my photos. They remember those moments. They remember either being at the game and I captured that particular moment. And that... That, to me, is a gift to the fans out there, the public. I mean, it's my job. It's what I do. Um, But, you know, I'm glad that you brought it up because in the overall scheme of things, that really is, I think, what I've contributed the most in my career is my actual recording of history, the moment in time. David Stern once said to me back during the the Showtime era, the Lakers-Celtic era, that he felt my photography helped define that era. You know, that was a really amazing thing for your boss to say that to you, you know, Um, and on a personal sort of level, I take a lot of pride in the fact that I mentor a lot of young photographers when I see their work improve and I see them taking the, the points that I try to get across and following some direction and, taking some chances. And then I get to see how their work has grown. And then all of a sudden they are working for a team or they're working for the league. I think there's four or five team photographers in the NBA right now of the 30 teams that were once under my umbrella as an assistant or a photographer. And that gives me a lot of pride. I'm very close with most of these guys. And just to see where, how far everyone's gotten and to be to played a small part of it. And then, of course, on the nonprofit side, my company does do a lot of work with nonprofits. Uh, oh, man, there's been just probably scores of them over the years that we donate services. And I've been on the board of a couple. I'm currently on a board right now. And I'm happy to talk about that. But that's the ultimate giving back is when you actually give of your time. And whenever, whatever expertise, whatever you can give to the world from what you've attained, I think that's, it's humbling, but it's also very rewarding for me. Yeah,
1: that's beautiful. And we're going to dive deep into some of the giving initiatives you've done and and some of the space that you've been in mentoring you've done, because it's beautiful. And, And I think it's very powerful for the audience to hear that it's not just monetized dollar figures and the impact that you've been able to create. But I want to stay on some of your journey for the next few minutes here. And obviously, you made a name for yourself fairly quickly. And you started making some really incredible shots. If anyone wants to go look up some of the, the photography that you've had, it's not just, oh, here's a game. They're mm-hmm. extreme moments. And I was reading that some of the shots you were taking, you can only take a shot every four seconds with the flash. It was a little bit back in the day. Mm-hmm. And so you only had a moment to catch these. You spent all game looking for one moment. That's going to be an iconic photo. How do you even start putting that together in Mm -hmm. this is what I want to do in life. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take iconic moment photos Mm -hmm. and in of professional players that are literally going to be defining moments in life. Like how inspirational. It's so cool. Yeah. When I was 14, Randy, my dad, my dad
0: gave me a camera, nice little Canon TL camera. Of course, all manual in those days, film camera. Yep. And I was a big sports fan growing up in New York. I lived in Brooklyn. Played a lot of street hockey, stickball, yeah. tackle football in the winter. I was a Mets fan. I was a Rangers hockey fan. My dad had season tickets. My whole upbringing, we went to probably went to two, three hundred Rangers games growing up. And even though I love sports, I love playing them, I love playing basketball in the driveway or street hockey, I knew I'd never play in the NHL and I would <laughs> never make a junior varsity of my high school. So as my love for photography grew throughout high, my high school years, and I love sports, it made a lot of sense to take the two things I love the most and marry them together and make, make a career out of it. My good friend, Peter Guber, who should be a household name, anybody who's tuned into this podcast, Peter is a rags to riches story, came from a hard scrabble upbringing in Boston to become a, literally a mogul in the entertainment industry, was the president of Sony Studios, of course now owns the Dodgers, he owns the Warriors, he built the Chase Arena, he built LAFC Stadium, just name it, Peter's done it. Peter wrote a great book called Tell It to Win. I'm going to plug his book because it's an amazing book about just how he became who he was and all the risks that he took, all the successes and all the failures. But Peter's mantra in that book, which I have on the wall, on the other side of this wall, stenciled in big letters, it's there permanently, is dreams plus goals equals destiny. So as a youngster, as a teenager, and even going into college, I had this dream to be a sports photographer. I love photography. I love sports. It, it was a dream. At some point, that dream had to become a goal, right? Because eventually I was going to get out of college. I had to earn a living. I had to have a career. So the transition to a career, then the dream became a goal, right? Now, looking back almost 50 years later, it's hard to believe, was that my destiny? Uh, I don't know. I don't. You don't want to get too like yeah. spiritual or religious about it, but I worked really hard to get to where I am now, yeah. right? So perhaps working hard is, you know, leads to your destiny, but I love that mantra, dreams plus goals equals destiny, because at some point you got to make a hard decision. I made a really difficult decision in the middle of my junior year at University of Massachusetts, which I loved being at, but I wasn't growing as a photographer there. So I knew I had to go to a school. If I was going to make a career out of this, my goal was going to be a career. I had to make a bold choice. And I moved to California, just like that. All of a sudden, I'm in California, going to school in Pasadena. It's 85 degrees in the winter, who, who knew from growing up in New York. And it was, it was a big decision. And at some point, you got to take a leap of faith. You got to believe in yourself. There were many, many roadblocks along the way, but I was able to use some of my Brooklyn moxie and some of my <laughs> my ability to, I guess, my personality was such that you know people gravitated towards me, where I was able to gravitate towards them because it was a meeting of the minds. People saw how passionate I was. had a little chip on my shoulder, a little bit of arrogance, but I wanted to succeed. And and people do respond to that. Um, If you're a young person listening to this, don't be shy. Believe in yourself, but not to the point where you become conceited or arrogant. But there's a lot to be said
1: about confidence. And I had a lot of self-confidence back then. That's amazing. Did you come up in a way of working your way up the ladder slowly and shooting high school games and college games and this and then getting a shot? Or was there a moment where you went from junior college type thing to shooting an NBA game that from that moment on, you never looked back? No, it absolutely was a ladder, um, a very long high ladder <laughs> that I had to
0: do rung by rung. I started, high, like I said, in high school, went to a big high school in Brooklyn. I had a lot of sports to shoot a lot of clubs, feature stuff, theater, dance, all that kind of thing. Then I went to a big college, University of Massachusetts. But as I said earlier, we did not they didn't have a photography program, but we had a daily newspaper. And our paper was a very prestigious college paper. And uh, I gravitated there. Man, I probably got there in the second week of, of my freshman year. All of a sudden, I became the assistant photo editor, I think by November of my freshman year, Giving out assignments to juniors and seniors, and of course taking all the plum assignments for myself, and that was a learning process. I was learning how to do an assignment, how to work in a deadline, how to work with a writer, how to all kinds of sort of the intricacies of working in a newsroom every single day, which was wonderful. Then when I made that leap of faith and moved to LA, I went to Art Center College of Design, which is a very hardcore commercial advertising school. It's, they do not really promote photojournalism. They mm-hmm. teach it in a very kind of obtuse way, but it's not a school you would go to become a photojournalist, which of course a sports photographer is. Yep. And I was discouraged from day one. I mean, I the chairman of the department said to me, we accepted you here. You had a strong portfolio, but... You really are in the wrong school. <laughs> like, you, should, you should go somewhere where they could really promote and nurture your yeah. photojournalistic instincts. And you know, you tell me that I'm a Brooklyn guy, that's that. that yeah. That's the wrong thing to say to me, right? Because that's just gonna push me even further and want to prove you wrong, but prove myself right. Yeah. Um, but you know, those rungs of the ladder kept I kept going up through. My teachers at at Art Center had one teacher in particular, Bill Robbins, who's a dear friend still and a mentor. Even at my age, I still have mentors, believe it or not. Absolutely. I have to lean on for advice. Bill referred me to uh, a couple of Sports Illustrated photographers who needed help as an assistant. I did all kinds of stuff, man. I was the low man on the totem pole. I would bag the film. I would pick up stuff from the rental house. I would take the photographer to the airport. I would—I was the guy who schlepped the lenses around on football fields and baseball fields and golf courses. But all the while, I was learning how to do assignments as a professional. And as I'm doing these assignments, I'm meeting people. So the, that's the next rung of the ladder, uh, our contacts are contacts, are people that you meet who are going to help you in your career. So I would meet public relations directors for the different teams because I would have to interact with them on behalf of the photographer I was working for. We would be setting up shoots with athletes, portrait shoots. We would have to come in early to set up this lighting you talked about in the forum or LA Sports Arena, Poly Pavilion, wherever it was. So I was I met operations directors. These are all people that helped me along the way when it was my time as the next rung in the ladder to become a professional and do my thing, leave the assisting behind. Yeah. And there was a very pivotal time when I was about to graduate from Art Center. This was like late 1980. And I started to get my feet wet as a working pro and knew once I graduated, I didn't want to assist anymore. I wanted to earn a living. And it was very, as you can imagine, being Los Angeles, a very competitive (laughs) place to be, to be a sports photographer back then and now. But more more specifically back then, it was just very saturated. And through those contacts and the special sort of technique of lighting arenas, I was able to get my foot in the door. I always like to say that You know, making a contact with somebody is that door like opening just a little crack, right? Then it's your job. It was my job. How far am I going to push my foot in that door to open that door up a little bit more, right? And one thing led to the next. I remember the LA Kings were very kind to me. They were very welcoming as a young photographer. The Dodgers were as well. Beautiful. These are the days where you had to. You know, someone had to sponsor you in a way to get a credential to go shoot yeah. a game. And I was just very fortunate that that people saw how dedicated I was. And, you know, I'd be trading sometimes photos for credentials or whatever I had to do. And all of a sudden, I'm in the right place at the right time. The next rung of the ladder, quite frankly, was my biggest break is when the NBA had their all-star game at the Forum in 83. And they... I didn't really know if they needed a photographer or not, but I took the risk to ask. Yep. <laughs> and they hired me to be their official photographer. And then the next rung on the ladder was in 84. I became the Dodgers team photographer. And then things really just started to yeah. mushroom. And my biggest break really, besides working for the NBA and that 83 All-Star game, because that started the ball rolling for a very long relationship, which I still have, was I got, I was able to, to have my first cover of Sports Illustrated in oh, 85. Yeah, it was the Lakers-Celtics finals in 85 when the Lakers finally won. And once that happened, Randy, I, that really, in my mind, is affirmed to me I'm on the right path, right? I'm now playing with the big boys in a way because yeah. once you get the cover of Sports Illustrated, you're in this sort of special club in a way. <laughs> Absolutely. And And it it, it was very affirming. I I remember the feeling of when I was told about it, when I saw it for the first time, I bought a gazillion copies. I sent them to everybody. And then the trick is, my friend, is how to stay there. And And I wanted
1: to ask you quickly, it was just in the space you're in, there's Mm -hmm. photography, but when you're shooting Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan and Stephen Curry and all these guys, you don't just get a, a backstage pass to go hang out and chill with them. You have yeah. to have respect of the players where yeah. they look at you as, Hey, I respect you to trust my privacy, to trust everything, to make sure that this shot represents me for how I want to be portrayed. So yeah. as you got to that elite level, I'm sure you had to not just earn respect of the credentials of the people that were paying you, but now mm-hmm. you had to go into the athletes and actually be like, Hey, Kobe, I'm going to earn your respect by maybe game represents game a little bit. You can see my hustle and how much I respect yours kind of space. Was there a moment there that was really impactful? Oh, for sure. I mean, use the right word there, Randy, is earn.
0: Okay, nobody gives you trust. You have to earn trust. You have to earn, especially in my world, which is a very insulated world of uh, professional uh, athletes, coaches, owners, PR directors, top to bottom, trainers, especially. I became very good friends with Gary Beatty, the longtime head trainer of the Lakers. Gary's training room was the inner sanctum of the inner sanctum. The inner sanctum really is a, is a professional locker room or college locker room. And to be a media member and to have access to the locker room is important. But to get access to the inner sanctum. rarely happens. You have to have that special connection with the gatekeeper, in my case, was Gary Beatty, was the the head trainer. And that started early. I mean, Gary and I, I think I was in in the NBA maybe a year or two at the Lakers before he came. But we just hit it off as guys, as friends, and he trusted me. And I never, ever gave him or Pat Riley or any of the Laker organization, people, or the NBA itself, any reason to mistrust me because you don't get a second chance in my world. 100%. You, you blow that trust, and you'll never get it back. Okay? And it just won't ever happen. So you brought up Kobe. You know, when Kobe came along in 96 as this 18-year-old wild-eyed rookie, I had already been in the league for about, this I think that was my 13th to 14th season. So he... Being him and being a student of the game and history, I mean, he knew of my history with the Laker organization. He knew of, of my documenting the Showtime era magic and Kareem and, of course, most prominently Pat Riley because Pat Riley was really the gatekeeper for the team. So it was my job not to really prove myself to Kobe in a way, but I had to continue what I had done in in the previous era before him and same with Shaq same with like you mentioned the the new generation older generation now but of course Curry and LeBron and all these guys that came afterwards and even the really young guys now like I just came off of shooting about seven or eight games of this guy Victor Webmanyama. yeah who I guess he knew my history a little bit but to me, it's cool to like now have another generation
1: of you guys. Have, like, an iconic or... photo of um, was it LeBron James shooting? Yeah. with him in yeah. his arm in the air. Oh my yeah. god! I was like, that's gonna be an iconic photo just from how yeah. just from the frame of how it looks. And that's when I really recognized your skill <laughs> when I looked at that and I was like, man, to get that shot in that yeah. moment, reading the, about how special it was, like flying others. I spent the whole game looking for that moment of those two going head on and I might only get one chance to make this shot. I get goosebumps talking about it. And I'm like, the pressure that's on you, the athletes that are not demanding that, but expecting that quality of kind of content to create Mm -hmm. these iconic moments for them. Yeah. I had so much respect for you after reading that. Well, thank you, Randy.
0: I'm putting that position over and over again, especially for the NBA because i've earned it but i've also quite frankly i've come through more often than i haven't there have been moments where i haven't come through but yeah you know um nobody no nobody bats a thousand in major league baseball or hits 100 percent of their shots either in the nba as wayne gretzky said i miss only miss the shots i didn't take 100 so sometimes sometimes it's just the luck of the draw but If I'm put in a position, for example, LeBron's record breaker, when he broke Kareem's record, I followed him for three or four games as he was getting close. There was going to be a moment when he was going to break the record. Now, all the elements have to come together. You know, the stars have to align. Think about... Anything a referee could get in the way. I'm anxious uh,
1: thinking about this right now. Moment that it breaks this shot, and you're like in the wrong like, spot or the wrong seat absolutely. or the referee or anything. Like I'm anxious any, thinking about it. Anything
0: can go wrong. So it, it could be a crappy picture with his arm in his face. It could be all oh, any kind of could be yeah, camera didn't work. The strobes didn't yeah. go off. There's a, a hundred things that could go wrong. Luckily for me, everything came together. I got a nice picture of it. But that's, that's how I make my bread and butter because I savor those moments and not to say they're not nerve wracking, which
1: of course they are, but I live for that. Absolutely. It's, I'm getting the vibe of you couldn't play sports, but you created the same competitiveness and edge and anxiousness around, Hey, I'm going to be the best photographer and put me in coach when, when there's two seconds left in the game and you got to hit a three, I'm the one that wants the ball and I want to make that shot. So that's amazing. I could spend all day talking to you about this. I want to make sure we get to some other stuff. But just kudos to you for the career and legacy you've created. And I really encourage people to go look at your Instagram and understand the quality that you've taken. And that's what I wanted to share a little bit was like, I didn't understand. I was like, cool, you're a photographer until I understood the moments that you had to capture and the pressure that was in. it. And I'm like, oh, this guy's a legend because you mess one or two of those up and you're out of the door. Just like you're Wayne Gretzky, you miss a few shootout shots or you miss a few (laughs) game winners and suddenly you're not you're not wayne gretzky anymore so, yeah yeah um
0: true true i um, mean think um, of kirk, think of kirk gibson's home run the 88 world series yeah probably arguably the greatest home run in the history of the world series if i was distracted like the last thing i ever want to be is distracted i, yeah. I have to be locked in i have to be present it's a whole mindfulness tunnel vision kind of thing like time literally stops um but, you know, what if I was, wasn't was ready? What if they had the wrong lens on? What if I was at the end of the roll of film? Because we were shooting film in those days. Yep. What if I was talking to the camera guy next to me? Uh, this is stuff that, that when it's operator error, so to speak, yep. I will kick myself to the day I die because it shouldn't have happened. If, if, if the stars somehow don't align... Nothing I can do about it, quite frankly. Case in point, Michael Jordan's 0.6 second shot in the finals. I got blocked. Um, The last second player came in front, I couldn't see Michael. But I had the ability to push this remote button so that the photographers who were attached to my remote system, their cameras would go off. But I didn't get the shot, but they did. So, you know, sometimes it's a team effort. Sometimes you have to... Take one for the team, so to speak, but you're there to really be the guy who pulls it all together. And
1: that was a perfect example of that. Beautiful. I literally could talk to you about this all day and I want to make sure we get <laughs> to a few quick things. One more business side and then I want to switch to the giving because I want to showcase what you've been yeah. able to do, but- you know, you see a lot of athletes that transition from being an athlete to a business owner and creating a whole new life around what they're creating and what they're doing. And you're currently in that transition of not quite being an athlete, but we just talked about those comparisons of like, your life and representation is your artwork. But now you're switching over to this incredible new thing, which is this new program that you're creating, and all about the legends of sports. So walk us through quickly, what is it that you're creating? And why is it that you've created it?
0: Well, great question, question, Randy. As I saw athletes that I had photographed throughout their whole career, (laughs) either I photographed them or just aware of them from other sports, as I saw these athletes retire, sometimes because of injury, but sometimes because of they could have some personal problems, they could have addictions, they could, you know, just run out of gas. It could be all kinds of stuff. And I, I was very attuned to some certain athletes that I idolize, quite frankly, who fell from grace and couple that with with professional sports being such an ego driven business that when you're in the spotlight as an athlete, it, it's joyous, it's wonderful, you're relevant as soon as you retire. Even in the best of times or the best circumstances, that spotlight is already going somewhere else. It's going to the next guy, the next generation, the next big thing. And there aren't that many Charles Barkley's or Shaquille O'Neal's out there, Magic Johnson, who have really, you probably could count them on maybe two hands, who have really made it in business, uh, transitioned to media from being world-class or Hall of Fame athlete, not to say that guys aren't happy in their life after post-retirement, but myself and two friends who became my business partners, we just saw that there was there was this void out there that like once you're out of sight, out of mind as an athlete, like what happens to you? <laughs> I mean, yeah. And we saw a lot of horror stories and we continue to see those. So we wanted to be give back in a way in the world of sports. And my other part, my two partners are in sports in different ways than I am, but very good friends. And we've we had the same mindset. How do we give back in sports? How do we help these athletes? How do we make them relevant and marketable again so that maybe they can earn from their past sort of iconic status? How do we bring that back to the fans, to the public, so that they can relive those moments over and over again? I grew up a 69 Mets fan. The Mets won the World Series in 1969. It was 11 years old. It was the greatest thing that ever happened. But how many people can name the entire roster of the 69 Mets? What happened to those guys? They all went off into obscurity. I mean, you could probably name two or three of them who made something of themselves later on. So we wanted to honor those guys. So Legends of Sport really was born from wanting to give back document, perpetuate the legacy of legendary athletes, moments, teams, venues, and personalities in sport. So we could talk for days about each one of those spokes, but each one of them is very important. If you grew up going to Ebbets Field, like my dad did, my uncles did, I never got to go to Ebbets Field, but all growing up, all I heard about was about Ebbets Field. Or if you're a race car fan and... And you've never been to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway or Churchill Downs or Wimbledon or name a venue, right? Or you've only heard of the, the Duke student body who are legendary basketball fans, right? Or the movie Rocky or The Natural or Slapshot, which are legendary sports movies. Sylvester Stallone is a legend of sport because he he made Rocky into what it was. So we see Legends of Sport being an elite club, so to speak, of athletes, moments, teams, and what have you, that transcend the halls of fame. I'll give you an example. Steph Curry, great, one of the greatest of all time, multiple MVP, champion, obviously he's a gold medalist, going to go into the Hall of Fame, Naismith Hall of Fame, which is great. Then what happens to Steph Curry, the athlete, Steph Curry, the businessman, the sort of media guy. It's going to continue but as an athlete it just stops at the halls of fame we want to create that next level above that so that these iconic especially athletes could all work together and mingle together and be marketable together and do think about going to an event and you're going to see athletes from every imaginable represented and an induction show into the legends of sport the rock and roll hall of fame just really quickly never existed until two guys thought it up in a basement somewhere. Oh, our favorite bands are getting old and our favorite singers are going to die soon. So let's make a hall of fame so we can honor them. So this is what we're doing. Uh, And I love it. I love hosting the podcast for me. Every conversation is fantastic. Done 200 episodes and ready for season seven to start soon. So, and that's a long winded answer, Randy, but that's,
1: you can see how passionate I am about it. I love it. And we could, again, spend all day talking about this transition from Mm -hmm. where you were to where you're going. But one of the transitions I want to talk about is the giving initiatives that come with it. A lot of people, as they get into their careers, they realize that money isn't everything, that the fame isn't as good as it is. But what honestly gets left is some of the legacy of the giving initiatives or the memories they created while they're doing it. And off, off air, we talked a little bit about some of the giving initiatives that you've been a part of and the impact it's had. And you could go on for probably days talking about the impact that you've made in this space, but Mm -hmm. a few key moments that stuck out to me were just some of the services that you've offered to these people as someone whose time is your commodity, right? You go Mm -hmm. and you Mm -hmm. shoot photos. Your time is everything. And to yeah. donate your time to some of the biggest nonprofits out there, or some of the bigger foundations that are a part of these players' lives, that's a huge thing. So walk me through a few of those moments where you know donating your time has made a really big impact for these people. Absolutely, the teams that I work with—the Dodgers, uh, the L.A.
0: Kings, the Lakers, the clippers what's, what was Staples Center, the Staples Center—they all have foundations. Many of their star athletes have their own foundations, and they have a need for photography. They either have a gala, or they have a 10K run, or they do events in the community. They have Thanksgiving turkey giveaways, Christmas things. Shack used to have; it uh, still does. Shack's giving Shackmas for Christmas. I found very early in my career that was very rewarding, and I was very much in demand. Quite frankly, to Donate my company services, my personal services, my services of my company, my other photographers, as a donation towards whatever initiative needs me, quite frankly. And it can be something as uh, huge, like Vanessa Bryant's Mamba Mamba Sita Foundation or Pau Gasol's Foundation, which does incredible work in in trying to eradicate childhood obesity, which is never really talked about. We've worked for Children's Hospital of LA, which is, of course, a giant one. All the teams, like I mentioned, I, we probably have donated services to 50 different nonprofits over my career. And that's a recurring thing. Yeah. So it's either services and or donating items for a special auction, framed prints, yeah, I bet. <laughs> copies of the book, my Mama Mentality book. So it's the greatest thing you can do in life is be of service. Because I think we're put here on this earth to help each other. And those who need our help and I'm able to provide some small way to give back is the ultimate uh, rewarding experience for me. And in another sense, teaching is a big giving back. Teach for the money, obviously. Nobody does. You teach because you want to get that next generation to another level. You I believe very strongly in my craft, the craft of photography and sports photography. I want the next generation <clears throat> to have been past the torch, just like it was to me from yep. guys like Walter Yost and Neil Leifer and the other icons who took me under their wing as a young photographer. So I love that. I love looking at work. One of my one of my missions with the NBA now, in addition to The photography I do is to help the new generation. The people are going to come and move into my role and carry that through to the next generation. So I love doing that, Randy. And it's a huge part. And look, if if you're somebody who works with me, you get it. Because you're going to be asked at some point to shoot this gala, to shoot this 10K run, to go to this Thanksgiving event. And I don't ask anyone to work for free. But yeah. people understand that's part of our mission here at Bernstein yeah. Associate. And it, it's the overall mission, quite frankly, in Legends of Sport. It's the ultimate giving back to, specifically to athletes who have meant so much to all of
1: us. I was going to say, I was got to just think of it now, maybe... Kobe didn't have his whole foundation now. What it is now? When you're shooting Kobe, and you get some of these moments, and then he says, "Hey, man, will yeah. you come shoot my foundation," there's a line of respect there where it's not demanded, but it's, "Hey, man, you helped me build my career by being able to shoot you. I want to come That's support cool. you and help you." And I think it's really cool that you're mentoring yeah. the younger generation because, uh, like mm-hmm. you were a young hustler, sometimes you don't understand the value of doing an impact shoot might be just as powerful as actually going and getting paid contract. In that space, because now all of a sudden, Kobe's, I only want that guy shooting me. I only want this because he cares about me, cares about my family and my mission.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. I have to tell you, just a very quick, to me, is never yeah. really quick, but it's <laughs> a little short. I was a Lakers team photographer, and this was at some point in the 90s. And the community relations director, a very good friend of mine, Eugenia Chow, one of the most giving people that I had ever met in my life. She, all she did was help in the community through her position at the Lakers. And the Lakers had just started a relationship with a inner city youth center called Heart of Los Angeles, OLA, H-O-L-A. And it's a very it's in a very concentrated area of LA, <clears throat> a challenging area, working class families, but people are really trying to make it. And the Lakers started working with them and sponsoring them. And Eugenia came up to me one day. She said, we started this relationship and there's a couple of of young kids, middle schoolers who have expressed interest in photography. Would it be okay if if they shadowed you for a game and then maybe they brought their cameras and you got to look at some of their work? And I said, yeah, of course. And we did that. I went down there to Ola a week later, they had their film developed. And these are like two eighth graders, right? And as soon as I walked in there, it was just an epiphany. Okay, I belong in this, to work with this organization some way or another. Fast forward, I started mentoring the the young man who now is 30-something. He was 11 when I met him. I started their photography program at OLA. I I was asked to join the board. I was honored by them as Volunteer of the Year, blah, blah, blah. It's just because of my dear friend who saw that I could provide some kind of service, some way of giving back of my expertise. No one expected to to go to that level, but I'll, I'll always be thankful to her for introducing me to Ola because it's been such a
1: a wonderful, meaningful relationship for me for all these years. Yeah. That's beautiful. And I can just tell that's on your heart. And it's so funny when we start talking about the giving issues, people talk about their business and it's totally fine, but when we start getting into these giving things, you just see the not everyone can see mm-hmm. your face, maybe they're listening, but it's you're letting up, your smile's a little bit yeah. bigger, you're sitting up and people just love that aspect of the giving initiative. It's it's almost like a little bit more firepower to continue doing what you're doing because it's, wow, I loved helping that guy, but now i got to continue to push myself yeah. and do those things. So I love that. We could chat all day, but I want to make sure we start wrapping sure. this up a little bit. And one of my favorite mm-hmm. questions to ask our guests is just to brag on themselves, to share one of their favorite moments of giving that still gives them goosebumps today. That maybe Ooh. had an impact on you, maybe not the biggest donation you've ever made, but something that really stood out to you in your life that gives you goosebumps right now. Oh man, that's that's a loaded one.
0: I, I have to say that a few things. Ray, when I see a couple of my assistants who have now have long careers in the NBA. Maybe I was helpful to them in that aspect yeah. of giving them myself. And a lot of people are very territorial and protective yeah. and jealous and all that. That to me, all those things are, are just a waste of time and energy, quite frankly. One thing that comes to mind, which is a culmination of everything we've talked about, is when I moved to this area, took brought my office from what was Staples Center for a long time, and I now have my office now. It's almost eight years here in South Pasadena, which is near where I live. I was introduced to a volunteer group called SPARC, South Pasadena Arts Council. It's all people in the arts in the South Pasadena area, all different people, of uh, different kind of um, disciplines in the arts. And I was asked to join the board, which I did. And it's been a very rewarding experience. We do some great events and we we sponsor a bunch of things. We've established some great friendships with these people. But it all gelled together when Kobe passed away. And um, all the murals that were starting to go up all over the world, especially in the Southern California area of Kobe and Gigi, and it was just a beautiful outpouring of grief and expression of creative love and energy by muralists like simultaneously around the world and in my area Pasadena, South Pasadena, there really was not a Kobe mural to be seen there were many downtown and all over the place but not here and I approached my building owner, I'm in like a complex here and he's a nice big wall that faces like the main road main street and I said what if we commissioned a muralist to paint something of Kobe and he went for it all of a sudden, because of my board membership at Spark, we started to sponsor the mural. We actually got the greatest muralist in L.A., a guy named Jonas Never, to almost completely donate his services and his time. And he painted this beautiful mural on the wall. I can see it outside my window as we speak. Painted from the last photo I ever took of Kobe in a Laker uniform as he walked off the court after dropping 60, Mamba out, of the whole thing. Yeah, And, you know, this... Now, to be able to literally see him and say hi to him every morning when I come to work, and for the public to to have it like that, the murals become sort of the meeting point now in our little town. It's just a beautiful thing, man. and i I think that kind of answers your question because it's really a combination of all the giving and all the giving back and just love for Kobe and. All of that, just all in one one big ball. I'm just proud of it.
1: Well, you gave me goosebumps there thinking about just how special that was <laughs> and the meaning behind it and what it probably mm-hmm. means to you and the people around you, but everyone that that, that mural is going to touch. So that's beautiful, and I think that's the perfect yeah, way you. to segue for us into what I call our giving round. Some rapid-fire questions and a uh, quick answer for you. Are you ready for them? Hit me. I'm ready, man. I think you basically touched on this one, but brag on one charity that you like.
0: Ooh, man, there's so many. I'm going to have to point to Heart of Los Angeles, to Ola. It's a nonprofit. They, they don't look at themselves as a charity, but as really a, a community sort of place where people can really grow and, and kids can go from K through 12 and be the first ones in their family to go to college. And it's just a fantastic place. And I it will always have a really deep place in my heart. And as Ola continues to grow, they're partnered now with the Los Angeles Philharmonic. Wow. They, I was instrumental in helping them become partners with the Los Angeles Children's Chorus that my daughter happens to sing for. I'm I am there for life. Yeah,
1: whenever they call and need something, I'm there for them. Beautiful. What gets you more excited, donating one million dollars or spending a week physically helping others?
0: Oh, look, a million dollars can go a long way. But it's also a singular act. You write a check, you show up with a rolls of quarters, whatever it is. I mean, you just, that's a wonderful thing. But giving of your time, your expertise, your your own self, is nothing compares to that. Yeah. And I have so many different friends and people in all walks of life who, you know, rich, really rich people who understand that they have to give back because yeah. it's part of the deal it's why we're here and, and you put out to the universe you get back and i'm a true believer in that
1: absolutely
0: who inspires you with their giving well, that's a great question I honestly have to look at magic first and foremost because when magic was playing he started uh he started a gala every year for the united negro college fund A gala and a game, like an all-star game. Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, all those guys played in this game in the summer. And that impressed me because he didn't have to do that. But Magic knew how important it was in his community, African-American community, to get more people in college to support HSPUs, all the different areas in the inner city that need to get their people into college, right? So the United Negro College Fund was something that magic did for a long time. And I've donated my personal services as a photographer, my company services, whatever we needed to do. So it started with him. Shaq was, it still continues to be huge yeah, in the giving huge. community. Kobe, people don't know this, but Kobe, oh, I would say it's fair to say for most of his career, if not all of it, Kobe did a make a wish meet and greet after every single home game and many road games and nobody knew it because he would do it in private in a, a separate locker room i was only privy to it because once or twice the family had asked for a photo most but almost every single time he would do it after a game before they had to get on a bus to get on a plane to go to a different city and it, how giving is that you know I mean, just sad. amazing they've had some great role models quite frankly
1: that's beautiful do you think athletes should start giving and building a give initiative at the start of their career or should you wait until they've had some success and made it to the show before they start adding giving into their brand? I think
0: it 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 should be part of their training <laughs> as a young person. When you're in middle school or high school, it it, it should be part of your DNA. Everyone has a brand now. Yeah. If you look at a professional basketball team, player one through 15 it could be LeBron or could be the last guy on the bench. They all have brands, quote unquote, right? That wasn't the same when I first started. So part of that is, is a giving back sort of thing. Sometimes it's just a token gesture, which quite frankly is very shallow. Most of the time, in my experience, it's genuine and they have these athletes have people who push them. So there's their agent, their lawyer, their managers, their people in their family, whoever, the girlfriends, doesn't matter. I think it's got to be ingrained early that this is part of your training. Okay. Yes. You're going to become an elite player of whatever sport it is, but the giving back aspect is just as important
1: as the physical training. 100%. Couldn't have said it better myself. What's the first thing you think of when you hear go big to give big? I was intrigued by that when I first heard it, because I
0: really had to think about what you meant by it. But go big to give big really to me means that you're not short shrifting anything, that you're all in. Go big to me means you're all in. You you just believe in it. You're in, all the chips are in, you're playing your hand, you're giving up your time and, and whatever expertise, service, you might be able to give and give big is, I don't think it's relative. I think you could, you could give $10 to a charity. still going to help them yep. as well as the million dollar donor, but you're going to give some of your time to a nonprofit yeah. or to a young person who's trying to become a great photographer. That to me is a no brainer. So if that's giving big. That's great.
1: But to me, that's, it's just part of what I do. Beautiful. In one word, describe the feeling you get when you give. Oh, it's incredibly
0: satisfying. You get this sort of warm feeling like you actually mm-hmm. accomplished something. It's very similar to coming back from a game with a really cool dunk picture or a game-winning goal in hockey or whatever it could be. It's just rewarding. It's It's satisfying. It is affirming.
1: You feel complete. There's a lot of words you could use, but those
0: are the ones I can think of.
1: Beautiful. The final question we got for you today, Andrew, is do you believe that money can buy you happiness? No. Uh, Believe me, (laughs) I I know that.
0: I wish I knew that as a fact. but I do know it in my life that money uh, is the means to acquire things that may make you happy or help you to be happy. But... I've met a lot of people who didn't have much money who were perfectly happy. <laughs> and it's the people that you surround yourself with, the people that um get you that that you're giving back to, that that you're making their life better. That's the ultimate meaning of happiness for me. And, and I'm fortunate I have four kids, I have a loving wife, successful career, thank God, my health. And that's none of that means squat when it comes to money,
1: because money's not even part of that equation. Beautiful. Andrew, it's been such a pleasure having you come in and share your story and getting you to open up and share about some of the giving initiatives and some of the iconic moments that you've had in your life. I want to give you a moment now to just brag on yourself and just share how can people get in touch with you if they've loved what they've heard today?
0: Thanks, Rain. It's been a great conversation and I really appreciate it. So thanks for reaching out. First and foremost, my photography, best place to find my photography is on Instagram. And that's at ADB Photo, Inc. Um, Also, for Legends of Sport, which I'm really pushing and promoting, you can find the podcast on all major podcast networks. We're hosted by iHeart, and of course, Apple, Spotify, so it's just called Legends of Sport. Our Instagram is at Legends of Sport, and our YouTube channel is called Legends of Sport. So we'd love it if, if we can get some new subscribers and followers, and you tell your friends and and have people check out the podcast, which, like I said, we're taking a, a kind of a extended break right now because I'm working on a long-term project. But we should be coming back sometime in the, in the late spring with season seven, which I'm totally excited about. So stay tuned on that. And our website, which is out there, it just hasn't been publicly launched, so to speak. But our, our website is called legendsofsport.net. So people can check that out because that has links to everything we do. So hopefully people will will check us out. We'll love what we're doing and let us know.
1: Absolutely. All that's beautiful. I've listened to a few of your episodes and I checked out your website and and your Instagram. Like I said, your Instagram page is just something iconic that I think everyone needs to check out. Thank you so much Thank for coming in, Andrew, and inspiring us to go bigger with our dreams and goals so that we can give bigger with our profits and being an amazing guest for the show. Wow, thanks so much, Randy. Take care, man. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the show. If you know someone who's an example of Go Big to Get Big, we would love if you could share this with them. We want to get our message out to as many listeners as we can, and it all starts by having people like you share it with your friends. Also, if you enjoyed the show, take 30 seconds and give us a five-star review. It's a simple act of giving that is free for you, helps us grow our message, and in return, allows others to find us sooner. And until the next episode, remember... Always go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profit.